Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. That's so awesome. Moms are awesome. So, and uh, it's very, very cool to be here. It's funny, Eric was uh, talking about the Lala's and everything, and I've had so many conversations about Lala's with Eric. Uh, I got, I'm more of a practical guy, and I'm just going to say it. I think like the La La's is the songwriter just kind of mailing it in and being lazy. Uh, I'm just putting it out there. I mean, can you imagine it's like, you know, hey, today I got, you know, three points that, that are going to change your life, that wholeheartedly I believe, you know, that you should, number one, love God with holistically, number two, Love your neighbor as yourself. And number three, la, 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 la. <laughs> really? And what is that? I, I know it's art and, and all that, but, but that's just one guy's opinion. It's, a, you know, it's cool. So, uh, hey, we, uh, we've been going in this living a legacy journey, and uh, today's Mother's Day, and we're going to uh, interweave those uh, a little bit, but ultimately, like Pastor Dan was talking about, that I believe, and the, the leadership of this church believes, that we have an opportunity uh, and a challenge for our, our community to leave a legacy and uh, to continue building on the foundations of, of this church by purchasing of this facility. But the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been talking about this le- uh, living a legacy, and we've been asking five specific questions. And today, I want to go through those questions and really challenge you one last time with them, and then also just kind of expand that a little bit as, uh, uh, as a church, what does that look like? So number one, how is the world going to be different because you are here? Again, I believe that every one of us who are a follower of Christ, that this is a question that is not a luxury to answer, but that we have to be specific and we have to uh, prayerfully go through it. And like, what, what is our part? How is the world going to be different and hopefully better because we are here? The same is true as uh, we look at the, uh, the body of Christ and especially this local church. How is the world going to be different or better because we are here. Number two, why is this worth, why is this legacy worth my life's work? What you're doing now, the time that you're spending at work, the time that you spend on free time, your waking hours, your, your, you know, the, the, the hours that you choose to stay awake and not sleep, why, why is all this money and time and energy worth your life? Why? And for the church, you know, what are we doing? You know, is worship, you know, and, and inviting people into uh, the relational gospel, inviting them into the story of God, is uh, connecting people with biblical community, is... Uh, teaching one another how to do this life well, is serving one another with sacrifice. Why is this worth our life's work? And we have to answer that question not only as individuals, but also as the church. Number three, what am I willing to sacrifice in order for my legacy to become a reality? I don't believe legacies happen by accident. I don't think sports legacies happen by accident. I don't believe life legacies happen by accident. That you have to be intentional, and you have to sacrifice. 
And legacies follow sacrifice. And I give you example after example after example about that, but because of the constraints of time, you know, we don't have that luxury, but I'm sure that you know that. You know that legacies just don't happen, that, that people have to sacrifice their time and their money and their energy and their free time in order for their legacy uh, is, is, that's going to improve the world or be of, of significance that, that that requires sacrifice. And the same is true for the church, that the church exists because of the sacrifice of others. The church exists because ultimately the sacrifice of the one we follow, Jesus, sacrificed his life for us. That sacrifice happened before Jesus, as we know, as, uh, as you know, we ultimately, we are all uh, children of, of, of Israel and Abram who became Abraham, and we are the manifestation of the promise that God gave to Abraham that he would be a blessing to many nations. And Abram had to leave his home, Ur, in order to sacrifice that comfort in order for us to be here today. And for the church that we, you know, don't have the luxury of taking a generation off. Because the church is only one generation away from extinction. It's just the nature of it. And like it or not, today is our day. This time is our time. This era is our time that we are the body of Christ. We are the manifestation of God's love and good deeds on this planet. And if we're not willing to sacrifice like our spiritual ancestors did, then the church will be in decline. And we will not have done well in what we have been called to do as being called followers of Christ. Number four, what needs to happen in order for our legacy to happen? Or what needs to happen for your legacy to happen? Who do, you, who do you need to teach? Who do you need to instruct? What do you need to sacrifice? What kind of strategic plans do you have to make? Again, it doesn't happen by accident. God has given us a brain. And to use that brain to think through the pluses and minuses and, and, and the, the strategies that... that are required in order for your legacy to matter. For us that are parents, spending time with our kids and teaching them our values and, and saying, you know what, instead of going on vacation here, I'm going to go on vacation or, or take my kids here to learn this opportunity or see where we have come from. Or instead of buying this, I'm going to sacrifice for my child. What needs to happen in order for your legacy to to uh, become a reality. And the same is true with the church, that we as the body of Christ need to be strategic in our thinking. We need to understand that we have been given certain things, but also we need to think through, you know, what do we need to do in order for our generation, for future generations to look back and said, you know what, they did well in their time, in their time of, of ownership and their time of, of stewarding the body of Christ. And then finally, who will you entrust with your legacy? 
and for thousands and thousands of years in, in you know, that uh, the reality is that, that, you know what, people die. And to be very aware that eventually you're going to assume room temperature and to say, who are you going to invest in? Who are you going to take the ideas that were given to you and pass them on to future generations? Who are you going to take the time to teach the skills to and the ideas and the whys and the hows? Who is that people, person or people that you're going to do that with? And that's, you know, who are we going to entrust our legacy as the church to? Well, you know what? We're going to entrust it to the, you know, the kids in E3 Kids. And if we want them to be able to take our time and, and make it a value and make it last, we better do a good job in, in preparing future generations to take leadership. One of the most interesting stories of le- uh, legacy in the New Testament is really manifested uh, in a, a guy named Timothy. He's a young pastor, like 2,000 years ago he was young. Uh, uh, in, and Paul entrusted him to be a pastor in the church of Ephesus. And Paul thought a lot of Timothy and, and put a lot of his energy and time investing in this man. In Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Paul wrote this. This is a letter from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior in Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. I'm writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Now, that's pretty strong language from the apostle Paul. That's not language that he just threw around. He wasn't like, hey, what's your name? Yeah, you're my true son in the, you know, the faith. What he's saying there is, you know what, Timothy, I'm writing you a letter because you embody my life's work. You embody the, 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 the ideas and the teachings and actions of Jesus Christ as I understand them. And you are my son. You are my offspring. You are my spiritual offspring. You are my legacy. You know, Timothy was a really important person in the life of Paul. Timothy is mentioned in Paul's letters in the introductory introduction in 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians 1 and 2, Thessalonians, Philemon, uh, and also Timothy is, accompanies Paul in his missionary journeys through the ancient Near East. And Paul uses this man uh, and uses his time with him wisely and, and challenges him and teaches him. Paul, we find out in Acts chapter 16 that, that Paul met him in Lystra, which is, uh, in, was in modern-day Turkey. And it says in Acts chapter 16 and verse 1, there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. So all of a sudden, we have, have a, a clue of, of Timothy. And 
being able to kind of uh, put together this one statement that, that Timothy's mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek, tells us something about Timothy. It also allows us to connect Paul's relationship as, as Timothy's spiritual father that, that we kind of get from this statement that Timothy's father was essentially, at least spiritually speaking, absent. Okay, and Paul stepped in as Timothy's spiritual father to, to uh, guide him. Continues on in verse 2, it says, Timothy was well thought of the, of the believers. So Paul wanted to jo- him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews in the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Now, what's that all about? Well, Greeks did not circumcise. And circumcision was a, a thing that, that happened with that Jewish believers that uh, they would have their sons uh, taken care of, uh, you know, uh, when they were born as, as a sign of, of faith and, and adhering to the old covenant. Well, Timothy didn't have that happen. Why? Because his father was a Greek, and his father didn't make sure that it happened. And here we have uh, spiritual leadership of, of, his, uh, of his mother and Paul coming in, and in deference to the other Jewish people in a missional kind of standpoint, saying, you know what, this is not a salvation thing, but you know what, if if this is going to put us in your culture and, and allow us to be able to talk to you about grace, then you know what, Timothy? You need to get circumcised. And I can imagine, you know, Timothy's probably 16 or 17 or something. That was probably not something he was looking forward to. But he did it because of the investment that Paul had in him. But it's interesting you think about this and so we're starting to get a picture of Timothy here that not only was uh, uh, Timothy really Paul's disciple, his student, but also that, that he was well thought of when, when Paul met him, that he was already uh, a fine upstanding man uh, when Paul met him, that he was a man of faith and that his mother had, had shared her faith, and, and, and he shared his mother's faith. Now, if you turn to 2 Timothy, we get a, a little bit more of the picture. Starting in ver, uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul writes this, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I think that's an interesting statement from a, a guy who, you know, Paul was very busy, right? He's planning all these churches that he's writing all these letters and all, this, all these things. And he probably knew a ton of people, but it was Timothy that he prayed for night and day. Why? Because I believe that Paul viewed Timothy as part of his legacy, part of his legacy and his calling of Christ. Verse 4, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears when we parted, and I will be filled with joy 
when we are together again. But again, before Paul, there was his mother, Eunice. And before Eunice, there was Eunice's mother, Lois. And here we have Timothy that that is being talked about, but the reality is that without his mother Eunice, there's no Timothy. Not only biologically speaking, but spiritually think, uh, speaking, because Timothy's father was checked out spiritually. He was he was he was not a man of, who shared his mother's faith, and she stood in the gap and instructed her son about the love and grace of Jesus Christ, and. Before Eunice, there was Lois, her mom. And here we have son, mother, and grandmother making Timothy the third generation follower of Christ. So the, the work and the legacy of pouring into this young man happened long before Paul ever came on the scene. Paul was just realizing a legacy that had already been born a legacy of faith that was born in his mother and his grandmother. Now, I know a lot of times we have a disconnect between uh, biblical characters like this that we think, oh, this is just a story, but these are real people. Eunice and Lois were people who loved their child just like we love our children, that, that they wanted the best for him just like we want the best for our children. And I thought it would be kind of cool if uh, we were able to take that, that care of, of a mother for the, not only the immediate future, but the eternal future of their child and what it looks like in the church and ask some of the mothers in our church about their heart and their hopes and their dreams and their view of what the church's role is around around their, uh, uh, their the raising of their children. So watch this video with me. I'm Amy Fortney, Heidi Thompson, Danny Sue Bickley, Margot Laird, Mary Coffey, Helen Michael, Jessica Morrison. I think our church, and I think God's church, the, the big church, is important to the next generation because that's what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples, and the only way we can do that is to show people, introduce them to God, um, have them understand Him at an intimate level. So E3 gives me a place to not only minister to others, but also to show my children how to minister to others and how to be in community and hopefully leave the legacy that they'll follow and be involved in their local church with their families when they're adults. Being at E3, it's, show, it's shown me so much more to having a relationship with Christ and not just doing what you're told to do, to read what you are told to read and things like that. It's, more, it's a relationship. I invested in E3 Kids for the children and the future of this church and now I have stepped down from that. There is someone else that has stepped up and is now investing in my children to further the church and grow our church family. Recently on my mind, um, the scriptures that talk about a purpose of a marriage is to leave um, godly offspring. And so that has definitely been on my mind and um, 
since we now have a child and, and ways that we can do that. And so um, I have a prayer for her and it's for her to get to know God in a very fierce and mighty way and so that she would have a true and personal relationship with God and that she would become a believer. And that would, um, my hope is that she would also meet and help others to get to know Christ as well. And so it would have a cascade effect to be, um, to be more than just my generation, but her generation and hopefully others um, that follow hers. Well, you raise them up in, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They learn from a very early age that church is important. Um, even beyond that, that God is an important part of our lives, that uh, honoring Jesus Christ in all we do matters. They watch mom and dad pray and lead them um, according to the Bible and it, it really, <laughs> you can't do it without. Um, being part of a faith community is very important, I think, um, to building a legacy and leaving a legacy for your family because uh, they say that the church is a generation away from extinction and I think building a love of community in our family is important to see the support um, to worship together to know that if you need someone you have a community of believers around you it's a good time for us to step back and help um, the next generation worship in a way that's meaningful to them we could sit back and be happy with uh, nice slow music but I heard someone say uh, just some time ago, and it really resonated with me, that if the next generation cannot create their own music and their own way of worship, they won't. And that's a scary thought. I gotta tell you, when I watched this video, I was really impacted about the the purpose and the meaning and the necessity of the body of Christ. I've said before that I believe the church is the only organization on earth ordained by God to speak into every aspect of somebody's being. And sometimes I think there's a real disconnect even for me, or maybe especially for me, between the, the logistics and function of the church versus the purpose of the church and what we are really doing. A lot of times, you know, I mean, I've, I've been a pastor for, you know, here for uh, over 10 years, and, uh, and a lot of times you look at it and you're like, you do a lot of the same things. On Tuesdays, we have staff meeting, and, and we do our staff things, and uh, you know, Wednesdays I, I do message prep, and Thursdays I do a bunch of kind of like business meetings and, and things like that, and, and, and Fridays I have a bunch of community meetings, and, and then Sunday comes around again. And there's just kind of the, the routine of, of all that. And, but then every so often God gives me a glimpse, and hopefully you a glimpse of something like this, that it gives meaning to, to those activities, that, that these women of faith who are raising families in our church, that, that it's not about, you know, 
Sunday rolling around, and it's not about Tuesday staff meetings, and it's not about, you know, prepping for, you know, a, a talk or, or something like that. All those things are important, but what we're really doing is building a legacy, a legacy of faith that we're building a structure that, that, that takes people in it from where they are and challenges them to want more out of life, to want a deeper relationship with God, a, a, uh, a more authentic relationship with one another, a place where we can have these conversations, but, uh, but not only about us, but building a structure that supports the families in our church so we can instruct and, and encourage the next generation of leaders. And I watch a video like this, and I and I and I listen to the words of these wonderful moms in our in our community, and it makes me want to say, you know what? I need to do a better job. I need to invest more. I I need to make sure that we are creating the systems and the things in place and having the infrastructure in order to facilitate this kind of growth and healthy biblical community. One of the ways that I believe that, that we are called to do that is to create a sense of place for that to happen. Last Wednesday, we had a vision meeting about, about this building, and I don't even like calling it a building. I like to call it a facility because our faith is not about a building but this building facilitates the ministry of what we are called to do. The building doesn't disciple anybody. I get that. You know, the building doesn't worship God. I get that. But a building does, if used correctly, helps facilitate our calling, and that is to make mature and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. And, and, the reality is, over the past 10 years, we've been renters, and being renters, you know, that, that carries with it some, you know, some challenges. For the, for the first three years of this church's life, we met uh, over on Mayhan, and we had a lease. At, at the end of those three-year lease, that three-year lease, uh, uh, we were month to month for the next, what, seven, eight, seven years. Seven years of month to month. You know that I had a relationship with the general manager of AMC just, just to know, you know what? If our landlord decides he doesn't want us anymore, we have somewhere to go. Because the last thing I wanted to do was stand in the middle of Tom Brown Park while it was like raining and, and try to explain that, you know what? I, didn't, I knew we were month to month, but I didn't think about having an exit strategy. Okay? That... You know what? This became a, even a bigger reality of just uh, the the need to have security in in our space. That our friends from City Church who uh, moved from this place that they moved to the Tallahassee Mall. You guys know that. And uh, when we moved in here, that's where they moved, and they thought they had a solid place. Well, guess what? If you read your newspaper, Tallahassee Mall sold. Guess what? They don't want a church in Tallahassee Mall. And uh, uh, fortunately, their leadership team and, and, their, and, and, and their relationships that, you know, they're going to hopefully turn this into some, a real blessing for them that uh, over the summer they're going to be meeting in Leon, which is great. 
and uh, they, they're purchasing a place uh, on, on North Monroe Street uh, out there um, on the, off the 10. And, you know, praise God that they have the leadership and put that together. But I can't tell you uh, how much time and effort it, uh, it takes from quality leaders in our church uh, to make sure that our church has a place to meet. And I believe by purchasing this, this facility that that will allow some of our uh, high-powered leaders to be able to be used on more kingdom stuff instead of just trying to make sure that we have a place to be housed. The next thing is stewardship. You know what? Purchasing this building, I, I have told our future facilities team that I do, I do not want to stop doing ministry in order to have a building. But if you can find a space that facilitates our ministry, then great, let's do it. And the reality is uh, that our church has been financially conservative uh, over the past 10 years. We have $450,000 in the bank. Uh, that's going to be a $500,000 down payment to, to make this thing happen. And when we make this happen, uh, when we come together as the body of Christ and, and sacrifice, that our annual rent's going to go down by $70,000 immediately. And, uh, and then in the, with a 10-year note, in the next 10 years, and we've been a church for 10 years, 10 years from now, we'll be debt-free. It's paid off, and it's done. And then all that money goes to, you know, hopefully I'll be around, but, but uh, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not you know, that the, that the next generation, what a gift to give the next generation. Uh, and then uh, the final one, la, 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 no, just kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I just couldn't help myself. Uh, uh, growth. And, and again, People grow best with a, with a sense of place. I, I, just, I just believe that. And, and I believe that just having this, you know, this sense of space, you know, it blows me away. I've been a pastor here, uh, actually, literally uh, uh, 11 years now. I came 11 years in May. And, you know, when I first came, my, my son, who's, who's 13, he was two. And... Uh, you know, how old's Judah? Twelve. You know, like when we first started E3, Judah was one. I mean, it's just, and then like, like just there's so many kids that like, it's so weird that like there's, there's children in this church who've never known anything else. And, and that might terrify you as a, as a, as a parents, but, uh, but just having them, you know, when, when they graduate and go to college and everything and they come back and knowing that they, there's a sense of place for them that they know, hey, this is my home church. So, you know, really the nuts and bolts of this is uh, that uh, it, it financially makes sense, but it's going to take 100% participation. And I believe if we all participate uh, in, a, in a kind of a, you know, what we kind of need is, is about a 12-month commitment. And 
The reality is if each household, which there's about 306 households represented in our church, that if each one of us uh, commit to $50 a month, uh, that we make this happen and, and, uh, for the next, and it's not a big deal. It's just, uh, uh, but I believe that God wants more for us, and I believe that we have the capacity as a community to do more. You know, it's been interesting to me uh, as a pastor. I hear a lot of pastors get criticized because, you know, they want to buy a building and, and build it up, and it's too opulent. The feedback that I've gotten is like, are you kidding me? This place is a dump. Yeah, you know, it's like you can't win, right? Uh, so, no, we don't have marble. It is a warehouse, right? And, and I get that. But you know what? With a little bit of creativity and a little bit of vision, um, I believe that we can make this an inviting place and, and make it even better. And two architects in our community um, took the time. I, uh, we, we, we talked about it and everything, and I said, "What if you guys had a hundred thousand dollars? What what could you do?" Just and and so they did. They put up a hundred thousand dollar vision. Uh, and I want to show you some pictures of what they uh, came up with. This is uh, kind of a overshot of of the current facility. Go to the next one, Reagan. Uh, there's like a new signage and everything, and and. You can kind of see the awning and kind of the woodwork and, and things like that and an obelisk. I just noticed that, and uh, which is kind of cool. <laughs> uh, and next uh, picture, uh, basically taking out kind of the, the, the facade and, and replacing it with some cool modern glass and some seating area and where it's all like brush right now. Uh, putting in some sidewalks and everything and just making it more appealing. Next picture. Uh, kind of the, here's the front, and their vision is uh, getting rid of the brick and doing some more stacked stone, some more open glass and some wood and things like that. Is there another picture? Yeah, I think this is the last picture, and, and uh, just doing a lot. And again, I don't know if this is exactly what it, it would look like, but, but, you know, we have vision that we can do a lot with this facility, that we can make it a place that, you know, is not only nice for us, but it is welcoming for people that we are inviting to go on the story uh, with us, to, to go on the journey toward God. And here, here's my ask. And this is not only my ask, I just happen to be the representative of, of, of our church. And, and the ask is this. I'm looking for... Uh, 100% participation of the body of Christ here. If you consider E3 your church, if, if E3 is not your church, then don't worry about it. Uh, but if E3 is your church, I'm asking you to give a commitment to participate because the reality is if something, if, if a part of the, your body is refusing to participate, you are sick. I was thinking about this, the other is true. If a part of your body is over-participating, you're also sick. Uh, and, and, you know, somebody, you know, said, you know, I, I, I don't like, you know, this. And I was like, well, I don't like this either. But this is the reality about leadership and, and leaving a legacy, that it requires action, it requires sacrifice. And I believe that each and every one of us should participate 
And for you, that may, the, the sweet spot may be $50 a month. No problem. You got it. I would say if you're looking at things saying $50 a month, no problem. Again, I believe that is a problem. I think you should do more. If, uh, you know, the, the big vision would be the $300,000, that's about, that's about $100 uh, per household. So, you know, it's interesting. We had a guest in the first gathering, and she came up to me afterwards, and she said, Mark, uh, I, I don't go to your church. I'm just visiting. Um, I actually, uh, you know, live in a different state, but I am committing uh, $20 a month uh, for the next year, but I want you to tell uh, a family if if that fifty dollars seems too much for them, that I got I you know they can do thirty, I'll do twenty. And she's I'm going to give it regardless. But I was just like that's pretty cool, you know that somebody just you know it's like they see something's going on here. Now that that's a bonus and that's an extra. But I don't think it's a bonus or an extra if we are part of this church to commit to this. And I believe that each and every one of us needs to do it. And this is the commitment level. If it's a one-time gift of a dollar or if it's a one-time gift of, you know, $100,000 or if it is a monthly gift of $100. This is, I don't know what the amount is right for you, but this is where I think the benchmark is. Here is the commitment. The commitment level is this. For you to believe that you have a tangible part in every baptism that happens here, every class that is taught, every Sunday that happens, every house that is built or, or fixed up, every, every uh, grocery that is delivered in Frenchtown, that every note that is played, that you... Say, you know what, I may not know that person. I may never have had a conversation with that person. But you know what, I participated in making this a reality. And then in the future, when our time is done, when our generation is led well, and it is time to hand it over to the next generation, that we can wholeheartedly believe that we left the church, at least the church that we are part of, uh, and, and the body of Christ in a better place than that we were given. Will you guys pray with me?